Welcome to Interruptions Podcast, where we have heartfelt and sacred discussions about our culture, faith traditions, and community. We invite guests who are open and willing to share their journey and disrupt the silence on their personal and professional interruptions that have impacted their lives as it relates to emotional wellness. Coach Kathy and I are very passionate about every episode and committed to providing actionable advice that you can apply today to reinvent yourself on your life journey and encourage you to develop a path toward healing. I am your co-host, Reverend O. And I'm Coach Kathy. Thank you for the handle. I absolutely love it. (laughs) I'm glad you love it. Thank you. How are you? I am wonderful. Long weekends. Yeah, it didn't feel like that for me, but okay. All right, I got it. (laughs) So what is the title of our podcast? Oh, how did I leave that out? The title of our podcast today is called The Godfather. The Godfather, I love it. And so tell me who our guest is. Our Our guest today is Jackie's Godfather, my friend that I met in college at Pratt Institute. His name is Anthony Bonnet. I call him Tony. Um, so let's bring him into the room. And as we're going to be sharing great conversations about interruptions in our lives. Hey, ladies, how are you? Hi, Tony. How are you? Good, good. Just nice so you know, there aren't many people that call me Tony. Okay, well, you want me to call I can't, you Anthony? I can't, no, it's okay. It's all right. I, I can't <laughs> stop Odell at this point because, you know. She well, means well, thing. but she's, Listen, you know. I get it. Some people want to be called their full name, so I get it. So if you would like me to call you Anthony, I can figure that, that out. That would be weird while she says Tony, so. <laughs> no, I can, I can switch. I can do Anthony. Yes, but the way you say it, it's like I've switched. It's not like I say it. <laughs> she sounds so like anyway. she's on punishment, right, and has to say Anthony, Yes, right? yeah, so, yeah. I don't she think sounds she like can a stick with it. Yep. <laughs> So, Tony, uh, if if people read the book, Odell's book, Interruptions, then they know how you met. But I'm going to ask you to share with the audience that may not have read the book yet. How did you two meet? Hmm. Well, we met at Pratt, but we met through, uh, I think we met through Charlie, actually. And Charlie is uh, another guy um, who is good friends with my first cousin. And he went to school with my cousin and um, transferred into Pratt. And so I met Charlie through my cousin and Charlie and Odell met somehow, don't know. And then um, through Charlie, I think I met um, Odell because I met you, Odell, I think prior to either one of us dating the people we dated when we lived in the dorm. Oh. And I won't go into all of that, but you know. Thank you. Thank you. But oh, you know, Kathy, it wasn't in the book. So there's revision. there needs to be a revision. Add some oh yeah. Well that you and Odell talk about that. And Odell will, will lay the ground rules for me before I come back and we talk about it which means so, we probably won't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony, just, just for edification, tell me what Pratt is. So our audience. Pratt, Pratt Institute is a, um, it is primarily now an arts school. Mm-hmm. Arts, um, I believe they still have a school of architecture. They used to have an engineering school and they have a fashion design school. Um, they have a Brooklyn campus, but they also have a Manhattan campus and okay. we met in Brooklyn. And you um, met in Brooklyn. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. And where do you live now, Tony? I live in New Jersey. You live in New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. So we know that you were a basketball player. No, I wasn't. You no, were not. Charlie was the basketball player. Oh, Charlie uh, was the basketball player. I knew all the guys on the team because they lived around me in the dorm. But Charlie was the basketball. Charlie is six four. Okay. Um, and I'm like five eleven and a half. Charlie okay. was the basketball player, and he and my cousin played basketball at FIT in in New York together. 
Okay. Um, okay. Un uh, undergrad for the first two years before Charlie transferred in. So that hotel was probably the thing that I okay. went to that was like, uh, it has no bearing on what you wrote in the book. Because as, as you know, when I got the book, I I was in the middle of reading something else. And as soon as I was done, I think I finished your book in, I don't know, a week. Okay. And we can talk about that. That was the book. Reading the book was like. We'll save that for later. Okay. All right. Well, then, Odell, do you want to talk about then about would, would Tony then know about you coordinating the pep squad? For the basketball? Oh, <laughs> I would. Oh, then I want to hear that story. So Odell is and this is this is part of this whole pep squad pep squad thing was one of the things I found was that that has made me respect her so much um, because she was friends with the basketball team and I was friends with the basketball team. We'd go to the games and Odell is sitting in the stands with me and, you know, some other folks and she's sitting there and she's just looking around. And one day she's like, where are the cheerleaders? Where's the pep squad? What, what, what kind of, you know, this, this isn't right. So this doesn't feel right. And then, so she started asking some of the other uh, young ladies in the dorm primarily, I think they all were in the dorm who wanted, you know, if, if they were interested in joining the pep squad. And so she got five, five or six. And the uh, director of athletics said, well, there's no money for a pep squad. So if you want a pep squad, you got to raise the money for it. And she didn't blink. I don't know where she got the candy from, but you remember the candy? She, was, she used to go to the track meets because Pratt hosted big track meets and a lot of, a lot of uh, other uh, sporting events. So she'd go into the gym when all these people were there to be packed and she would walk around with boxes of candy. And um, I remember one night there was a basketball, I don't know if it was a Pratt game or not, but she calls me. Um, I was at in the dorm across the street and she calls me and she says, um, can you come and get me? And I'm like, you're across the street. Why do I have to come and get you? And she's like, well, I sold out and I got a lot of money and these guys are looking at me. So I'd like you to come and get me. You remember that? I do. Kathy, I, I had, you know, dollar bills and coins all in my uh, jacket pocket. And I was clueless. You know, I'm thinking I'm safe. Just have to walk across the street back to the dorm. And these guys were from Brooklyn and it was the Colgate games. Right. And they were looking at me like, we're going to rob her. And right <laughs> as soon as she walked out that door and I knew enough to say, I'm not walking out the door and went to the front desk. There weren't any cell phones back then or beepers. So you had phone phones. So I called Tony and his dorm and he walked across the street. He and somebody Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, you and Charlie, Charlie and escorted me back to the dorm. And I didn't know uh, why she I didn't know why she needed it until I started looking around because she didn't, you know, like Odell says she was clueless. She wasn't completely clueless or she'd have walked out the door. Right. <laughs> but um there were some guys because they were looking at us. They're like, who are these guys? And so, you know, we were just like, Yeah, well, you know, tonight's not gonna be your night. So we and, walked and back across the street and she had a pile of money and she had a pile of money. It was a, I don't know, you had a few hundred dollars at least. I did. And Kathy, the director of the athletic of the basketball team, we didn't know cheers or steps. And he actually hired someone to come teach us how to cheer from the stands. And believe it or not, she was an AKA. <laughs> <laughs> of course she was. I didn't know that. She I had no idea. She was. I mean, I didn't, know, I didn't know. that was. Um, was that Pablo? Was that the? Uh, uh, yeah. I so remember. I didn't know that he hired someone to teach you guys cheers. He did. Yeah. He probably he was it. impressed with the fact that you raised the money that he didn't think or nobody thought would get raised, and you did it on your own, and you just made it happen. Tony, please tell me you have a picture of that when she was. 
on the pep. Oh. All right. You no, don't have to so, really look. so this is one of those things <laughs> where the only pictures we have are camera pictures and nobody had a cell phone. <laughs> no. I'm just trying to think. I, I can vividly no. remember, but I don't have a picture of that. <laughs> I that would have been so much fun. Oh, yeah. Black <laughs> pom-poms and neck sweater with a P on the front. It said Pratt. And we had black pom-poms and we look good. Now, I it, was cute. it was That's cute. It was black and gold. It was cute. <laughs> so, Odell, I, I just need you to clarify for me because I yes. think um, at some point the audience might be a little confused because we're talking about Pratt Institute. And yeah. really, when since we've been doing our podcast, we've only spoken about you being at Howard. So talk to us a little bit about that transition, why you left Pratt and how you ended up at Howard. How do I how did I leave Pratt? Yeah. And ended up at Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, my cousin Darswell, who's going to be on the show, uh, he had graduated from Howard University and had gotten a he was working in banking, working in the city and had an apartment on Washington Avenue, which is Washington Street, which is around the corner from Pratt. And he came to the dorm. I had a um, project I needed his help with, an accounting project. He came to the dorm and I thought I was it. I knew the basketball team, the track team. I you know, I was in a nutritionist. So I had friends and I thought life was good. And he looked at me and said, after two visits, he says, I think you're wasting your life here. You need to go to another school because you have much more potential. And he, I didn't have a choice. And that spring break, I thought it was it. I I was having fun. I was actually having a lot of fun because Mm -hmm. he was having a lot of fun. And (laughs) I think that's what it was. I was having too much fun. Uh, That could be. That could be. Yes. So that's how I ended up leaving Pratt and going to Howard. Okay. So Tony, I heard you ate very well while you were at Pratt and Odell was still there. Were you, yes. Um, so yeah, were you part of her trial and error phase? For a while. <laughs> once, once, once the uh, word got out, there were a lot of people who wanted to be part of it trial and error <laughs> and and now i'm i'm talking like she was trying uh chicken cordon blue all right she wasn't trying you know she was trying beef wellington she wasn't trying <laughs> you know to cook the you know the typical ramen stuff. noodles right <laughs> oh no no i don't think i don't think she had ramen noodles in her kitchen i don't think so no we did <laughs> but That's but pretty. i don't think she did i don't no. think she did she was... she used to go away in the summer and go where did you go that one summer to france to cordon bleu for cooking you spent two weeks in cordon bleu to learn your your mom yeah. there Yes. Yeah. So, 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 Coach Kathy, that's what she experimented on. Look what I learned. And we're <laughs> eating this stuff like, what? Um, okay. More, please. Yeah. <laughs> we were, we, we literally were, were breaking her because, you know, that stuff's expensive to buy for, you know, as a college yeah. student. Yeah. And my mother true. was that's a chef. It's expensive to buy now. <laughs> yeah. My mother was a chef and she was bringing, food to the dorm. And I mean, I would have steaks, we would have steaks and sh- shrimps, uh, scallops, and I'm making all kinds of dishes and wanted people to try how I was cooking because I, I'm in culinary school. And Tony and a few others on the basketball team, I'd knock on their doors and they would come downstairs in my dorm and they would eat and I would serve them. And in addition to that, Kathy, my mother, I was the only one in the dorms. I had a hundred dollar bottles of wine in my uh, room, at least six or seven. What? And, oh yeah. Oh, you 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 have no idea. <laughs> oh you have man. No idea. <laughs> and and of course, you know, none of us had the palate for it. We were like, you know, we liked it, we didn't like it. We didn't know we we're drinking. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's funny. So Tony, let me ask you this: When you first met Odell, um, did you was it easy to recognize that she was from Boston? Um, it wasn't until she opened her mouth and said certain things. Now, <laughs> now let me let me just preface that with saying at that point, New York and Boston had the rivalry, the NBA rivalry, those two teams would go to war every time. So, you know, there was that natural New York Boston thing. You know, we we hated Boston, right? And Boston <laughs> hated New York. Um and so I meet her and I'm like, okay, it's Odell. And then we she'd say something and we kind of look at her like, what? <laughs> Do you remember? I said, I want to go to a potty. And we were like, we were like, you want to go to the bathroom? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I want to go to a potty. Take me to a potty. And they couldn't figure it out. And I had to go dancing, you know, potty, potty. And they were like, oh, don't talk. <laughs> we're going to go to a party, but you can't talk. That's so, and, and there's another story kind of related to that. I remember once Charlie and I were going to the city and Odell was like, take me to the city so I could see, I want to go to the village or whatever. And so we meet downstairs. Summertime was really warm, it was nice. She comes downstairs with nine gold chains on. Now, it wasn't like trunk jewelry. It was like fine, nice. It was like nine. Each one was a little bit bigger than the next. And so it was, you could tell it was nice. And Charlie and I are looking at her like, you know, you are going to make us have to chase people down. Because that was back in the chain snatching days. If you re can recall back then, people were snatching chains left and right. And so she comes down and, and Charlie and I immediately just started laughing and told her to go upstairs, take like six of those chains off and come back. And if you can't take those chains off, you can't come. And she's looking at us like, why? Why? What's wrong with my chains? What's wrong? I want to go to the city. I want to go. We're like, no, no. Because they it were was. like, we don't want to fight. And... And when you're on the train, don't open your mouth <laughs> because oh. people are going to know that you're from out of state. You're from Boston, which we don't like. So don't talk and take off the chains. So I had strict instructions on what to do and what not to do. And I, I know that we talked a little bit about your desire to be part of the club scene, right? And yeah. so how did, how did, Tony helped you get involved with the club scene. Oh, Tony and Charlie were it. I went to the Studio 54. Well, we went to Studio 54. It was my first time going into a club at, I'm ready to go at eight o'clock, right? They're like, no, <laughs> go back upstairs. We'll come get you at 11 or midnight. And that was unheard of. You know, clubs in Boston closed at one o'clock. You want to go out at 12? And we went to different clubs. We came out. The sun was shining. I danced and partied all until I dropped. The music was boom, boom, boom. You know, it, it, it was the bottom. You, it, you, you would be deaf. You would be deaf. I think we went... I think we went to the garage once. We went to the garage studio. And the garage doesn't open until midnight. Oh, so you literally would go in there at midnight, you know, midnight, you go there like one o'clock, whatever. And you'd come out nine o'clock in the morning. And it was very disorienting because the sun would be shining. You're blinded by it. Your ears are numb because the speakers were like six feet tall. And you're, you know, when you're in there, you can feel your organs shifting around from the bass. <laughs> and, and that's, it was fun though. It was fun. It was good. You know, you're young, you're, you know. It was, yeah. it was, it was what we wanted to do was, um, I wouldn't change it. I probably would go out more knowing what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Does this tie, does this tie into your birthday party? Was that all part of that? Your birthday? Oh, your special? oh um, I guess not. Okay. Then no, let me, let me hear the birthday party story. Go ahead, Tony. 
the I was birthday say, party. Silent. We can't be silent on a podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, you know, it going to the garage would have been easy compared to her birthday party because her birthday party was two and a half days straight. Oh. Straight. It went overnight during the day. She made breakfast. Music still playing. She's in pajamas, never went to bed. And, and you know, I would go upstairs, crash for a, while, or for a while, come back down. You know, oh, you missed breakfast. You know, and it would just, it was nonstop. I don't know how you pulled that off. You must have fed your, the people well, that live around you because, it, you know, nobody ever complained. I never understood that. Oh, and it was a pajama party. So that's what it was, Kathy. So it was fine. You just come as you are. And my mother dropped off a big pot of shrimp gumbo. And back then it was golden champagnes. And <laughs> was, was the drink. And she gave, I, we had cases of wine and shrimp. So we were, the guy I was, the guy I was dating was on the 14th floor. I was on the second floor. You all, I forgot which floor you were. I was on the 10th floor. And when I tell you people was coming up and down the elevators, on the stairs, partying, the floors, we partied all weekend long. And I was a, I was a freshman. I, you were a freshman. I was mm -hmm. a freshman. Oh my goodness. Which that means, which means she had just turned 18 because uh, she came at 17. Okay. All right. so, now the stories are coming out. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I appreciate this. I'm writing it all down. Okay. Mm, here. I don't know if we have enough time. But, but yeah, yeah, we don't. Tony, next I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to call no, no. you after the show. But, but Kathy, you know what it's like being a freshman. You're from Bridgeport. You go to UConn, so you know what college parties are like. Oh, Dell, really? No, <laughs> I was such a good girl, and no. Uh, I do remember my first all night party though. I do. I was so sleepy. It took me a week to recover. I do. So I do. I, it, that's funny though. I love, I love that birthday party story. So let me ask you this. So Del, you, you made a decision and every, it, you made a decision to leave Pratt Institute and you mm -hmm. transitioned to Howard. How did that impact your relationship with Tony or did it? I would. Oh, before I went to Howard, I was supposed to drive to Howard. I think I put this story in there and I have a car accident. I decided to party one more time in Brooklyn with my friends. And I go to Brooklyn and we're having, we're partying and I leave to go pick up someone. I'm hit by a drunken driver. I'm in the hospital for at least six weeks. And I would never forget this, Tony, that when I was in the hospital, I had fractured lungs and I was jacked up. I couldn't breathe, couldn't do anything. Tony leans over to give me a hug of, of comfort and sympathy. And he has a Walkman on his chest. And when he leans over to give me a hug in the bed, it hits me on my chest. And I'm like, Ugh! you know, I start choking, you know, it's like, oops. So even though I was at Howard, I came back and forth. So, and I was dating the guy that was still at Pratt. So I would stay on campus and I would see Tony, or I was in the city and Tony and Charlie would come visit me at my mother's place in Manhattan all the time. My mother loved them and fed them all the time. Her mom was, well, I think I made a good impression, first impression. Um, and I also think that some of the guys that Odell was hanging out with did not make a good impression with Miss Mary at all. And um, so knowing all of the things that I knew about her and where her mother would send her for cooking school, um, I remember once Charlie and I were invited to come over the day after Thanksgiving. And um, Charlie gets there first because he was in Manhattan and I take the train down and I, I walk up to the apartment building and I see one of those um, um, 
bodegas that sell the flowers. And I was like, oh, let me just grab some flowers. And so I walk into the to uh, the, the apartment and meet her mother. Hey, Miss Mary, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And, and your mom says, oh, Dell, he brought flowers for you. And I look at her and I say, no, those aren't for, for Odell. Those are for you. And I say, you know, thank you for um, welcoming us, welcoming me and Charlie into your home. And, and, you know, we really appreciate it. And so I give her the flowers. And then about five minutes later, she, you know, she puts them in the vase and she calls Odell into her bedroom and the door closes. And, you know, Charlie and I look at each other. And we're like, all right. And they're like, oh, go help yourself with whatever. And Odell comes out, kind of big smile on her face. And I'm like, what's up? And you told me that your mother loved both of us because we were not the kind of guys that you had introduced to her from <laughs> I In other words, yeah, she was yeah. like, those are the kind of guys I want you to hang out with. And so, you know, I was just trying to make a good impression on her mother because, you know, that's what you do, you know. So. And my mother would when they when she knew they were coming, Kathy, she would buy big strawberries uh, and she would see the noise he's making. She would <laughs> she would make chocolate from scratch and oh. she would dip the strawberries in the chocolate put them in the refrigerator they could be nice for them and when they showed up because i was this is when i was um recovering from the car accident they i'm lying in the bed can't hardly breathe and they're drinking champagne and chocolate covered strawberries and she's fixing them food so we stayed in contact. They, we, we are still friends today, as you can see. <laughs> and so, yeah. as you as you could imagine, any time was a great time to go visit her mom because, you know, you were going to get fed well. <laughs> poor Tony, chocolate, oh. and strawberries, and champagne. Mm. You poor thing. Life what a was hard. <laughs> <laughs> So Odell, um, yes. so tell me, okay, so you're at Howard, you all yes. are staying in contact, um, and then transitions of life, journey of life happens, you get married and you, and you have children. So how does that, how does that impact your relationship with Tony or does it? It, it well, Tony came to the wedding. Um, so yes, he came to the wedding and was, got married here in New Haven. But before that, I asked Tony to be the godfather of my firstborn child when I got married and when I had a kid. So this and is before you even got engaged or before you had children, you asked him. I was a freshman in college and I asked him <laughs> to be my firstborn godfather. So Tony, you can imagine. I was gonna you say what on earth. <laughs> You know, that's like one of those things like, yeah, I love you too, whatever, whatever, okay. you know, it's like, cause it's, it's so far away from anybody's reality that, you know, I, I was like, you know, okay, you know, I, I, I love you too. All right. Sure. Now, like, now let's sure. go, let's go hang out some more. <laughs> no. And just kept going. And when I, I got I, married. I never thought about it again. <laughs> when I got married, we moved to Connecticut. We lost contact. And I remember, remember oh, let me just say, remember when we ran into each other? Yes, at CBS. Yes. I was in CBS and I heard this voice and I said, that sounds like Tony. And went to the next aisle and there he was. He was dating, let's just say he was dating someone that I know now and we reconnected so now i have to have this conversation with my husband to say tony needs to be in our lives because he's promised to be the godfather he's my friend and the conversation was we don't have ex-boyfriends in our relationship and I was like he's not an ex-boyfriend and for some reason people don't believe that men and women well 
can be friends without being intimate or having that relationship. But he was really my friend. And I had to go through this argument that no, Tony gets in, he gets a pass. So he finally agreed to give Tony a pass, Tony and Charlie a pass. Kind of. Kind of, correct. <laughs> and said that they can be in our lives. And when I got pregnant and I called you and I said, you promised to be Godfather. What could I say? I'm, you know, I was, I still was kind of floored because, you know, I completely remember being asked and, you know, Coach Kathy in one year, ear and out the other. You kind of remember this stuff because it's so, you know, it's such a substantial ask. But, you know, you don't you don't think about even when even after at the wedding, I was like not thinking about that. Never crossed my mind until she brought it back up. And I was like, oh, yeah, I did. So I am. <laughs> So how did that feel for you? Did you understand the re the role of a godfather or did no. you take it? Okay. Okay. No, I, I, I didn't because in my life, my, when my parents split up and, you know, when I was a kid, I was really young, they, they divorced. And so, um, I didn't really have that relationship with anybody everybody was a friend or a friend of my my father or a friend of my mother or in their family but the you know the godfather godmother thing i heard i had one but you know i had so i had no template to follow yeah odell did you know that when you asked no. him again no no okay i just i don't know i don't know i have no idea why i asked but i did and he accepted and Tony was, and still is an awesome, has been an awesome godfather. He showed up, he made sure, I called him, I call him the educational godfather. <laughs> I've heard you say that. So what does that mean? What does that mean? And He's, really what, what role, okay. So what does that mean for, I'm asking multiple questions. So what does that mean? Okay. And then what role has he played in the family? So two things. While Jackie's growing up, he came to the he came to her christening, and he was present. He stood in. He had to deal with all the family stuff that was going on, mm -hmm. checking in and books. He every month new books came to the house. He Jackie had books, and she still has those books today. Wanted to make sure that she read and she had choices and options. So Jackie knew who her godfather was. And like he said, the, the ex-husband didn't quite take kindly to some guy showing up and spending time with his daughter, but he, he did. And as time grew on, Tony was always there. I can always depend on him. So he was living in Connecticut at the time and we're both here in the same state and we're talking, we're interacting. He helped me to transition into IT. I started a computer lab. I got involved in project management because of Tony. So he helped me along the way. And when there were problems, as I mentioned in my marriage that I was trying to hide, I was also trying to hide them from Tony and all my friends. And he see him shaking his head, but it's it, it she's not good she wasn't good she wasn't good at it and um i remember once charlie and i were visiting um charlie's wife's family who also lived in new haven her she had an aunt in new haven um, and we were talking the three of us and that's when you told me you know you were having some issues that i'm not going to go into detail with but um Charlie and I offered to help resolve those issues, and she turned us down. But which I is okay, honestly, which was okay because mm -hmm. we weren't we 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 weren't going to go talk to her husband. Yeah, but without her. Honestly, yeah, but I can yeah. honestly tell you, it was that visit that helped me to be strong, 
mm-hmm. because they're talking about skiing, was going skiing in Denver and the Black Ski Club and all these activities they were doing. And I felt that I was God, I'm missing out on life. Black mm-hmm. folks are skiing, really skiing? Like, you know, so I was missing out and they kept me grounded and focused and, and it helped me to stay strong to knowing that I had a lot of support. So yes, mm-hmm. and so he was there. But Tony, he, oh, and I have to tell you that when I, and Jackie's gonna be our next guest after you. So whenever, after I get a divorce and I'm a single parent, Jackie's a mid-teenager. So she's being a teenager. And whenever she didn't listen, I would call Tony. And <laughs> the Godfather. I called the Godfather. And the Godfather showed up the next. He said, Don't tell her I'm coming. He said, I'll be there tomorrow. And he showed up. You want to tell him what you did with her? Yeah, I think at that point I was living back in New York. So um we took her to we, James and I, James was her, um, one of Odell's, I think Odell's business partner for a while. And um, and he's a, a friend of mine. Uh, we used to work together. <clears throat> and I think he's still in, in New Haven. Um, so we took her out and had and gave her a talking to. We were just, you know, we're like, look, we're not going to lecture you. But we took her out to this, it was a Japanese restaurant. No, it was Malaysian. I'm a, oh, okay, it was Malaysian which, you know, back then, Jackie was a hamburger, hot dog, chicken nugget kid, as I recall, Mm -hmm. which surprised me because I know how you can cook. So I was like, how did that happen? But now that I have kids, I'm like, yeah, I know how that happened. (laughs) You know. Um, So we sat her down and basically asked her, like, what are you doing? Like, really, what are you doing? You know, oh, I'm just, you know, I just want, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. let's like walk through this a little bit because you are really upsetting your mother. You don't understand neither she nor Jonathan. And I, I've, I've had a few chats with Jonathan, but Jonathan was was uh, was quicker on the uptake. I'll put it that way. So he didn't <laughs> need the lecture. Um, she was not so quick all the time. And so, you know, I had to explain to them without telling them everything I knew how cool their mother was. I'm like, you don't realize some parents are like, you know, they can be a problem. You guys are in good shape. You guys have a great mom. You need to chill. You need to listen to her. You need to have me not come up here to have these talks instead of us going out and just hanging out because and by the way kathy she hated the restaurant she hated it she hated it because all the food was weird and you know so she didn't like the food she didn't like the talking to um and you know she was she was i i think part of it was also as the oldest i think she may have felt that the fact that our parents weren't together was a little bit of her fault. Mm-hmm. And it totally was not. It was not. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can say that to a kid and um, having been there and watching what happened, I knew mm-hmm. it was not her fault and there was nothing she could have done to um, change what happened. Um, but, you know, she there was a little bit of guilt there, I think. Yeah. But Kathy, I can tell you that after James and Tony took Jackie out, she I would say to her, do I need to call your godfather? No. OK. All right. All right. <laughs> and let me tell you, it worked. And that was a threat that she's like, I never, ever want to have to eat that food again or <laughs> hear that lecture from Mr. James and Uncle Tony again. So it yeah. worked and it, it helped because that was, she says, no, I'm good. Just beat me, yeah. mom. Just, just beat me. <laughs> Put me on punishment, right? That's just, funny. Just beat me. <laughs> That's funny. So, yes. 
So Tony, what I don't remember is how you moving forward. I don't remember how you heard about John's the interruption with John and mm. my brain aneurysm. Um, I think you called me about John. Okay. And I, I was, you know, I, I was in, I, at that point I had, you know, I have, I have twin boys and at that point they were seven years old, I think. Um, and I was trying to find a way to get up there, but, you know, I just, at that point I was, I think I was doing the Mr. Mom thing at home and it was, it was, it was hard to get out. It was and anything I did in, you know, for myself, I had to do it like between five and seven in the morning because um, I never had enough time to drive up there and then come back in time to be with them. Um, my wife, you know, at that point was uh, executive at, at Macy's and um, she was, you know, a high ranking executive. And so she had to put in the time there was, you know, there was, it was clearly no, there were no options there. Um, and, you know, I wasn't going to get in her way. Definitely not because um, opportunities like she had um, don't happen often. So um, it was easier for me to be Mr. Mom and, but it, as a, as a um, um, consequence of that, I could not get, I couldn't do what I was doing before. I couldn't support the way I was supporting before. Um, that's what she needed wasn't a phone call. It, um, and I couldn't be there. Um, but you did, you ended up showing up you were here. You was here for me. I don't remember much, but I don't remember who. I don't remember that year much after that night. So, yeah. But how so, did you find out about my brain aneurysm? I James call called me. me. I think James called me. Okay. He called me. You went into the hospital like midweek. I think like a Wednesday or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember. And so I couldn't get up there because I knew. I couldn't go to the hospital like nine o'clock at night, right? I couldn't, I couldn't and visit at that point. So I had to wait until Saturday. So um, Saturday, late morning, I got in the car, came up, um, found you in the room. Nobody's there. And you were out like just still sedated. And, um, and, and it was, that was hard to see it was it was really hard to see and so i sat there for about two hours and then you you woke up and then when you woke up you couldn't speak for about 25 30 minutes so i'm talking to you and i'm like i know she's conscious but she's not answering and and then at one point your speech came back you started talking and you explained to me like you know sometimes it takes a while for me sometimes to to get my speech back, I'm going to have to do a lot of rehab to get back on my feet. So mm -hmm. that was a um, that was a hard visit. Mm -hmm. Tony, so you you saw and you were um, with Odell going through the trauma of the loss of her son, and then uh, suffering the brain aneurysm. What did you think when you found out that um, she wrote a play and a book? What did you think about that? She told me she was going to write a play. And I was thinking myself, you know, sure. Why, you know, okay. Yeah, um, but at the same time, she was saying, but I can't write. And I'm having a problem, you know, some of her executive functions were still being developed. So, um, or coming back. And so she was, but she was, you know, she's like, I'm going to get some help. I'm going to get it done. And so I was like, well, okay, I, you know, anything to keep you busy, because at that point, you know, I remember you weren't, you weren't working. And knowing Odell the way I do, um, 
it doesn't matter how um, sick she is, if she can physically do something, um, if she can physically be more active than she needs to be, I'm giving you the yeah, stink she eye, Odell. Yeah, she's Kathy knows. So, um, she she's gonna try and do it. And so I recall yeah. Jackie saying to me that she has to take um uh your phone and your iPad away to stop answering people who are asking how you're doing, blah blah blah. Um that was one of my concerns though, was how you're going to do it, um given that looking at electronics for long periods of time was kind of um, difficult for you. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it took a while, but you did it. And I, and I think part of it was, um, part of your own self therapy because it wasn't enough to talk to people about how you felt, you know, you wanted people to understand what it felt like and for them to understand that this was, this is not uncommon, unfortunately. Um, and that was after your crusade to close the pizza shop, right? Yes. So that was, you know, <laughs> I was, see, that's the Odell I know because um, she can organize people. Um, she can um, put together a plan. Um, and once she's decided she's going to do it, it's a matter of when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. That's the Odell I know. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of the things that I found, um, even, you know, when we were much younger, uh, really impressive about her. Even during times when things weren't going well, there was always, you know, a thought to um, later when things are better, um, I'm going to be able to do this, and and this is how I hope to get there. So, and and it's it's uh, it's very. Um, it actually, in in some ways, it it was good for me because I I looked at her when you know when I was having challenges, and I'm like, well, I don't have, <laughs> I haven't gone through anything like. Mm -hmm. um, what she went through. You know, people like you and Kathy who were in my life and when you weren't here, I can go to Kathy's house and I would just call her, see if she's home, show up, call her crying. And she would just say, come over. And I would walk in her house, tears rolling down my eyes. And what did you tell me, Kathy, all the time? Yeah, I, because listening to other people, she would always think that she should be better by now and and it would like who told you that you who makes that decision no one can make that decision no one's walking in your footsteps so i never understood that um and it would break my heart just to there was so much pressure that she was putting on herself based on what other people were saying and and like you know tony that's just not her it certainly is not her now um she's writing and, and teaching classes. And then what did you think about when you found out that you were in the book? How did um, that feel? I was, I, it, well, it, it felt good. Um, initially, I was like, what part of what we did is in the book? Because there's some stuff, there's some stuff. I mean, you know, we never dated, but there's some stuff. I'll just leave it at that. I mean. I love it. We, I told we, you there got to be a revision. That's it. We, we had, uh, well, during, during Pratt, we had a good, too good a time. Which is why oftentimes um, she used to say to me, like six weeks before the end of the semester, I would disappear. She's like, she would not see me except walking in and out. She's like, where, where have you been? I thought you left campus. I was like, I can't, I can't live like that and pass my college classes. <laughs> so I had to disappear and go to the library, go hide in rooms. I was like, I don't want people to find me. I need to, I need to get my stuff together so I don't flunk. Yeah. Good for no, you. I, I didn't flunk Kathy, but I didn't have that discipline that he had until I went to Howard. 
And I think okay. that's why my cousin said, you got to go because you're spending <laughs> way too much time, you know, talking about going to the club. <laughs> Odell, yeah. why was it important for you to have Tony as part of this, your book, your story that you wanted to tell? Why was that important? Because he's a big part of our lives, not just my life, our lives. Um, who asks? It's rare that a 17-year-old asks someone to be their godfather, and then he honors that and shows up and is in Jackie's life and is mm -hmm. in our life and really had to fight through what I was going through and say nothing but see it and still show up and be a friend and be supportive. So when you get a friend like that, it's important for people to know that I didn't get here by myself, mm -hmm. that I had support and not. Oh, and Tony, for the record, can you please verify for our audience that you are not my 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 Mr. Y guy? Mr. Y? In the book, I have a Y guy. And oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> you no. know. So, so yes. And Miss Hill, Kathy, Coach Kathy from our church, when she read the book, she said, and if he's such a nice guy and your mother <laughs> loved him <laughs> and he's Jackie's godfather and he does all these great and wonderful things, why didn't you two ever date? <laughs> so I said, Miss Hill, circumstances, we was always, always dating other people. Yeah. And then we became each other's ear <laughs> when we mm. dated when we dated those other yeah. people to help us to get through it. But no, I, I said, Miss Hill, we just it we, we just were good friends. So yeah. she's like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. yeah. Yeah. It it's it is uh, a lot of people don't don't believe it and you know, I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. But, but Tony, I have a question for you. Um, thank you for clearing that up, so Miss Hill can say, "I just wanted to know," <laughs> so, and she will watch this show. Tony, what we talk about, what Kathy and I get into now, the last couple of minutes of this, is we talk about the problems that I went through of not having the. The, the myths and stigmas in our culture and our family, not to talk about grief or it's okay to cry. Now you have twin boys, you're married. Do you talk to your, your sons about death and grief and crying and how to get through things? Or what do you say to two young black, black teenage boys about life? I tell you now, I'm, I don't talk to them about grief so much now i talk to them more about safety now um and um i mean they they were they came to the funeral when my mother died um they were pretty young so i don't think they really you know it didn't hit them i know they knew something um major happened but i don't think it really hit them um and and partially because i didn't i didn't let them um, as they're growing up now, because we live in a town unlike New Haven, um, our town is oh, 75% white. Um, and so the issues they have are more related to being the only one in their class being the kid that, you know, when they're reading um, certain novels and they come up on some uh, term, I mean, this this year it's been um, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. And if you've read Kill, To Kill a Mockingbird, there's language in there that is, um, hard when you are the only child of color in the classroom mm -hmm. yes and when that and 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 so they had to deal with um you know 
everyone looking at them during certain passages in the book, like, or, or when a teacher would ask a question, you know, they would be like, well, what do you guys, you know, what do you think? And, and it was so funny because my sons would say that I grew up here. So how would I know what that's like? And I said, that's a good point. But that was the beginning of our discussion about who they are, um, what that means. I would say over the last um, five or six years, given all the the um, publicity surrounding um, police brutality, racial unrest, um, I think some people have started to understand a little, but you know, like most of the country, I think there are people that just don't get it. And um, and it's a it's a hard lesson for them. And I mean, not not my boys. My boys have to, you know, they're 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 living in the skin they're in. But it's a it's a hard lesson for uh, some some white people to understand what it means to be a black child mm -hmm. um, and and more critically um, and this is the discussion I have with them a lot is you know what it means to be a black boy because mm -hmm. they don't look at you like a boy now that they're 15 I have 15 year olds you know they're um, every time something happens I say you know you need to make sure that, that you understand your surroundings and what's going on because yeah. they will look at you first. Okay. And they, yeah. they, they've, they've come to me with that. So, um, but in terms of, like, I know I've gone off on a tangent a little bit, but um, about grief, um, I explained to them what, what happened to John. And when we came to visit, because remember we came to visit you the day of the COVID shutdown. You may not remember that. We were coming back from skiing. We were- Oh, I, yes. I took my boy skiing. We went to uh, New Hampshire. We were skiing for the weekend and they shut the ski resort down Saturday, sat, uh, Friday night. We were up there, no, Saturday night. We were up there from uh, Friday night. We we're gonna ski through Sunday afternoon. So uh, Saturday morning, we thought, decided to come back. And, and so I said to myself, there's no way I'm driving back from New Hampshire, even though New Haven is a detour. It's like, eh, it's not that much of a detour. And you hadn't seen the boys. And I mean, I know you get the card every year, but I think that was, yeah. that was the yeah. first time. I and saw them and yeah, it's my first time seeing them in person. And, and it's weird because he has twins. One looks like him and the other <laughs> one looks and the other one looks just like his wife, Bernice. You know, so it's and they're very different. That's totally perfect. Though. Single way, they That's are perfect. the same color. They are the same height. They don't have the same frame. I have an extrovert and an introvert. It's it's like everything is is. Ah, uh, I, I do. I love that. I love it. I love it. Do you want to you, you want to you want to have them for the weekend? Because listen, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Tony, I don't know if you know that um, right now what Odell is doing is is talking to groups about having conversation on her book, how to really hold a book talk, because it's mm -hmm. rare that you're able to get the author and really get an insight of what they were thinking, what they were going through, and particular points in their journey. So my question to you is, you know that you are part of her journey. If Odell is, is having this conversation with groups, what would you say for your character, for your person, what do you want the group to understand or walk away with, either about yourself or about your relationship um, with Odell? A few things, actually a few things. One, uh, one of which Odell brought up that men and women can be friends. Um, Odell is my ride or die. So men and women can be each other's ride or die. And, and that is um, not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, the other thing is 
um, what it means to be a friend, like what it what what it really means. Like, you know, there's the there's the good parts of being a friend. You're hanging out, you know, you chit chat and whatever. But then there's the the difficult parts where you have to have you have to be real with them and they need to be real with you and and you have to know where all of that is coming from and so with odell no matter what our conversation we've had discussions about everything substantial in each other's lives i would say like everything and when you hear stuff that you don't want to um except even when we don't agree with her i know where it's coming from so so as a friend you know you need to not pull punches so so i you know i i think people need to need to realize that that um, um your relationships with people are the only thing really that's real mm-hmm. everything else is stuff there's family and you know which is not stuff but everything else that people focus on it's stuff and everybody likes nice stuff i like nice stuff so i'm not you know i'm not saying i'm i'm some i'm different from other people i'm not but um one of the things that our relationship has shown me is that there's people and then there's stuff mm-hmm. and and the people will get you through anything and and they will they will uh outlast any stuff that you have you know um, so you know i think one of the things i think i'm i'm fortunate from and i've said this to you lots of times odell that you're one of the best people i know right i told you that i don't know how many times and it's because of your resiliency it's because your honesty it's because your openness and and um and 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 the trust that you've shown me i mean there's there's there aren't many people i mean it's like one hand of people that aren't family that i can turn to and i can pick up the phone and call her and like anything um so um did i answer your question you answered it beautifully tony thank you so much and it is an honor to meet you i'm glad that you are in odell's life um and that was a perfect segue into me i want uh again to remind our audience to please subscribe uh, to our channel. But I want Odell to talk a little bit to kind of close us out about her book talks and and how they can get in contact with her to have these conversations. But Tony, thank you so much for being part of this show. And and I'm going to call you so I can get those little pieces that we couldn't talk about on the show so we can talk about that after. We may have, um, to, I may have to come up here, <laughs> we have to sit down and you know, it, it's, it's, she may not like it, but that's okay. Listen, listen, you know, see me first and then I'll call her like after two hours that you've been here and then say, oh, and by the way, talking about your I book will. discussions. Thank you, Tony. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. So what Kathy and I are doing now is that we have a book called Let's Talk, which is about emotional wellness and looking at mental health behaviors that occur in our everyday lives and how we dismiss those behaviors and not feeling comfortable about helping people through them and recognize what's really going on, but just turning a blind eye. So we're having those discussions. Our website is under development, revodellresilience.com. And the workbook is a eight week session and we talk about various, we talk about eight different topics of mental health. Kathy, we have customers and clients that program launches in March. Um, yes, and it's about actually talking to everyday people, peer-to-peer program about ment- 
emotional wellness and how to recognize those behaviors in our everyday life. So you can reach us through our website. You can contact me through email interruption62 at gmail.com. And the program is launching. Um, we have a couple of clients now, Kat, they have to tell you about in Hartford. And we're also working with churches. And our church, Kathy, is hosting the book talk. Awesome. So we're having the book talk at our church to have that conversation the month of March. And in the community, churches, and it's, it's really designed to help leaders who interact with adults and youth to help them to understand and have that conversation. And especially because we're in this faith realm for pastors. This book is to help pastors not always feel they're the only ones that have to help their disciples. So we want to train their leadership to be able to execute these programs so that the pastor is not overwhelmed and stuck. So this is what we're doing. This is the mark that we're making. And we have programs that start in March. We have customers who pay their, 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 their enrollment fee. And we have more training coming in April. And we're training leaders to, and our goal is to change one family at a time. All right. Well, thank you again, Tony, and thank you for to our audience. And please thank don't you. forget to subscribe and like our station. Thank you. Until next thank time. Thank you.